Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... something I can do and I know God wants me to do, then I got to get up and actually go and do it. So the question is not, can I do it? The question is not, can the Holy Spirit do it through me? The question is, have I taken the example of the Lord Jesus Christ seriously and will I execute in my mindset and in my actions what I have seen in Him and what His grace is motivating me to do. Are we focusing more on our complaints and personal interests than having a Christ-like motive when we are serving in our church? In today's message, Pastor Jim addresses how to use the example of Paul to help equip ourselves to reach others for Christ. To truly make disciples, we must want to be used by God, receive proper training in our Christ-given gifts, and be willing to go wherever the Lord leads. This is demonstrated in Paul's letter to the often complaining church of Philippi. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part one of his message entitled, Joyful Partnership. Well, when you go from one job to another, one school to another, even in the church, one ministry to another, it's really nice to get a good letter of recommendation, isn't it? Or a good letter of commendation, where someone says, you know, this person will be an asset to your organization. This person is the real deal. This person's not going to be a problem. This person's going to be a a help to you. But imagine the next step of your life that the letter of recommendation or letter of commendation you need is actually from God himself. And that's what's happening in our text this morning for a young man named Timothy, who it appears is going to take a journey to meet with a church, and the Apostle Paul in this letter is writing uh, some wonderful things about this young man. Now, Timothy is actually the name my second son after him. We did a thing in our family. We didn't find out whether we were having boys or girls until the, until the very end, and so what happened was, I guess we're somewhat traditional or not, I picked the boy's name, And Pam picked the girl's name. So we each had a name going into the birthing room. So the first child came out and it was Ryan James. So he didn't get my first name, but he got my middle name. And then had our second child. And we're in the delivery room and Pam says, you know how I said I just didn't care what it was? She says, I want a girl. I said, not much I can do about that now, babe. But it was a girl. So we named her Jessica. We call her Jessie. I wanted to call her Jessie James, but Pam wouldn't go for that. So she named her Jessica Robin. Third child came along, and I was becoming more of an avid Bible reader at that point in time in my life. Loved this young fellow by the name of Timothy in the Bible, so we named our son Timothy James. So he got my middle name as well. 
And when we first started the church here nine and a half years ago, uh, sometimes, you know, my, my family was, Pam was serving in hospitality, Jessica was working with the kids, and Ryan was in the sound booth. We didn't have anybody else to do anything, so I made my family do everything. And Timothy would come upstairs with me, because he was much younger than, I guess he was about eight years old back then, and we would play Paul and Timothy, or we'd play Moses and Joshua. So the name Timothy is a, has a great, great meaning to me. Timothy was a young man. Scholars want to debate how old he was, maybe this time probably in his 30s, certainly younger in his faith than the Apostle Paul. He traveled with the Apostle Paul, and they were what we would call partners in ministry, although it's clear that the Apostle Paul was the leader. Now, some of the Apostle Paul's partners were just difficult for him, and they were a headache to him, but not this man by the name of Timothy. And these guys had what we are keeping with our joy theme. They had what we would call a joyful partnership, and that's the title of this morning's message, Joyful partnership. To recap or to bring you up to speed if you don't know what's going on here in the letter, uh, the Apostle Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel. He's waiting to appear. He doesn't know whether Caesar's going to cut his head off or say, just shut your mouth and just go on with your life. He doesn't sure what's going to happen. He's writing a letter to a church in Philippi. We think he might be in Rome, not positive. He's writing a letter to a church in Philippi that he founded some 10 years earlier. That's in northern Greece. And while he's in jail, he's writing some different things. It's what a lot of the epistles or letters of the New Testament are, some things, some corrective measures, some encouragement things, some doctrinal things, some theology things to understand about the faith. And we've come to this one point in the letter when we see in the, in the Philippian church how sad it is that while their leader, the Apostle Paul, the guy who started the church, is in jail, they are being found to be complaining. Not only are they complaining, but they are disputing. Well, well, how does that happen in a church? Well, it could happen any number of ways. Uh, Perhaps it could be that a small percentage of the people, not a problem we really seem to have here, but a small percentage of the people in a lot of churches are working for the gospel. And what are others doing? They're sitting and critiquing what people are doing. I often say that I like, when people come to me complaining, I always say, you know, I like what they're doing and we're complaining about better than what you're not doing and we're not complaining about. And so here we have these people, they could be complaining, people of no action, people who seem to think that if I complain, that absolves me from all duty of doing everything and they wonder why nobody takes them seriously. Maybe in your job, you have the same problem. You're complaining all the time and you're wondering why nobody takes you seriously. Could be the problem that's going on there. Uh, Christianity sometimes or church has been likened to a football game sometimes. 22 people on the field knocking their brains out and 50,000 people in the stands cheering them on or critiquing that they're not doing it right. Always so funny to me that a guy that can barely get up out of his seat and go get a beer can make fun of some of the best athletes in the world, but that's just the way the world is. Now you say, well, that's my gift. I'm a complainer. God gave me the gift of complaining. I see things that other people don't see, Pastor Jim. Sure. Uh, Sometimes people come to me and they go, you know, I have a complaint about the church. And I go, only one? Like, I have thousands. And they go, do you want to hear it? I go, you got to get on the line, dude. This is the encouragement line. The complaining line, that's around the block. And so that's the way some of the people that were there are doing. Yet, we're not exempt from that. In chapter one, the apostle Paul told all of them and all of thus by extension, because it's a letter to a church, live lives that are worthy of the gospel. What is the gospel? 
the good news of what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ by living a perfect life, by dying a sinner's death, by rising from the dead and ascending to heaven, whoever would put their trust in Jesus could have the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. In chapter two, he said, consider others better than ourselves. That's not easy, is it? And then he gave us the stunning example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And although we can't do the same things that Jesus did, anybody, just anybody raise anybody from the dead this week? Just a quick show of hands. Didn't happen. We can have the same mind. We can have the same attitude. We can have the same servant way of thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ as he gave us the stunning example. Then he said to them, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not work for it, Work it out. Work out what God has given you. Why? And he told us, because God is at work in you. And then he said to them, as you're working it out, do all that you do without complaining, without disputing, and be lights in a dark, dark world. There's our review. You say, that's great. I get it. I get it. The heck do I do, Pastor Jim? What does that look like in the life of a person. Somebody said, listen, I'm not some guy, you know, assisting some guy in jail. I'm a student, I'm a worker, I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have all these different responsibilities. What does that look like? And in his grace, God gives us here in his word two very simple examples. One, this week, in the person of this fellow Timothy, and next week, Lord willing, in in the person of a fellow by the name of Epaphroditus. And as we're gonna see, This is not some highbrow, extravagant, only get there in a dream kind of a thing. This is practical Christian living. This is something that we all can do. And to me, that's what makes it challenging. You see, if it's something I can't do, I'm not that challenged by it. But if it's something I can do, and I know God wants me to do, then I gotta get up and actually go and do it. So the question is not, can I do it? The question is not, can the Holy Spirit do it through me? The question is, have I taken the example of the Lord Jesus Christ seriously and will I execute in my mindset and in my actions what I have seen in him and what his grace is motivating me to do? Verse 19, look at with me here, uh, begins and he says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I may be also encouraged when I know your state. Now the apostle Paul is under arrest, but he was allowed to have visitors come back and forth. And his main visitor is this person by the name of Timothy, his young protege. Timothy is not under arrest. And he says, when the opportune time comes, I'm gonna send Timothy to you. He couldn't just send him a text, couldn't just send him an email, couldn't go on Facebook. Instagram, Pinterest, whatever, assist. I don't even, there's so many different things now, I can't even keep track of it. No way of communicating, so they either had to send letters or send a visitor. So he says, okay, as soon as I understand what's going on, I'm gonna send him to you shortly, and I wanna hear the news, you can hear the news about me, and I wanna hear the news about you, so we can both be encouraged. Now, the Apostle Paul and those of you who desire, whether it's in leadership in the business world, in the political realm, in the church, in church ministry, the, the Apostle Paul is the consummate Christian leader. He's got the package. He's got the goods. He knows how to do it because he cares about the work of God. He cares about the mission of God. And he cares also about the people of God. 
Now, the Apostle Paul is the greatest theological mind outside of Jesus Christ that ever lived, so he's constantly studying the Old Testament scriptures, looking for Jesus, writing the New Testament Bible, getting information from God and writing it down. He's a busy guy. He's studying a lot. He's a church planter. He's the head of a church planting movement, so he has a lot of responsibilities, but he also does something that every leader needs to do, makes disciples, makes followers of Jesus, multiplies himself. Now, some people would say, well, it's not right that he picks favorites and certain people. Here's the key. He picks the people who want it. He picks the people who want it. How many of you have ever tried to work with somebody who doesn't want to grow or to become better? How easy is that? It's like, just please, please. You know, like you just say to somebody, could you just do this job? I asked you to do something that takes 15 minutes. We have to have an hour meeting. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're just like, just forget it. I'll just do it myself. So he picks people who want it. You say, well, that's, that's some sort of favoritism. Jesus had all the whole world. He only picked 12 guys, right? And he took three guys. And they became his inner circle. And so he trained people. The apostle Paul trained people. And training, part of that training is to teach them how to do ministry. Now, it goes, it goes hard, easy, hard in the thinking. Hard. What's hard? To find people who want it. That's the hard part. It's the hardest part. Number two, easy part. Train them how to do it. That's actually somewhat easy. Then comes the hard part again, to actually send them out to do it. To dispatch them to do it. To trust that they are going to go and represent you and represent the faith well. And the Apostle Paul knows this. And any leader knows this when you send somebody else out. What's going to happen? Criticism. Criticism. Timothy comes along and goes, what they send you for? Doesn't the Apostle Paul care about us? First time I ever did a hospital visit when I went on staff at Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, I showed up and somebody goes, why are you here? <laughs> I said, I don't know. They said, we were kind of hoping they sent Pastor Lloyd. I said, me too. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul knows this is the only way to multiply ministry. The only way to multiply ministry is to take willing people, to train them, to identify their gift set, and then to dispatch them for ministry. When I was in the trucking business, I used to have the dispatcher test. I used to take these, usually the best drivers made the worst dispatchers. You say, why? Because they would do 100 stops a day, and the other guys couldn't even get in and out of their truck 100 times, forget about delivering the packages, right? And so the, 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 the best drivers would make up these schedules that only they could do. And so they were not good, but I, I, they were not good at dispatching typically. But I would have a test that I would do for them, and it would go something like this. I would say to them, let me ask you a question. Could you make an 8 a.m. delivery tomorrow in New York City? And they would go, you got it. You kidding me? Piece of cake. Easy. And then I would give them the test, though. I would say, could you make 10 deliveries at 8 a.m. in 10 different cities? And every once in a while, one would say yes, if I had 10 trucks and I had 10 drivers. And that's how I knew they had a dispatcher because it was someone who understood that you have to train people and to multiply the ministry, to multiply what you're doing is you have to send them out and trust that they're going to do the work. There's an important phrase here, the Apostle Paul says, I trust in the Lord Jesus. In every realm, we see this as characteristic of his life. He trusted in the Lord Jesus to become a Christian. 
He's trusted in the Lord Jesus with his daily life. He's trusted in the Lord Jesus with his eternal life. And whatever happens next, the Apostle Paul says, I'm gonna trust in the Lord Jesus. But this is oh so very important, friends. It is an active trust. This is just not, I'm gonna let go and let God, right? You know, God is my co-pilot, don't get in that car. It's active. I'm gonna do my part, work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who's at work in me. I'm not gonna stand around and wait for a job to fall out of the sky. I'm gonna be putting out resumes. I'm gonna be filling out applications. I'm not just gonna sit home while I'm a student and hope that somehow the, the information just comes into my head. You know, sometimes the young people come up to me and they say, oh, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Jim, you know, I have a test tomorrow. Would you pray for me? I go, did you study? And they go, no. I go, well, let's pray for an earthquake or a blizzard or something. <laughs> right? Because it's unrealistic for God to pull out of you what has not already been put into you. And so here we have the apostle Paul. This man has the highest office a human being ever could do. Last Tuesday, I was with my family in Martha's Vineyard. You probably saw us on the news. We were the people that mopeded past all the secret service agents because we didn't know Obama was on the same street we were on. But you know what? I realized that I was so close to him. He was having dinner with Eric Holder that night. Tuesday, it was dinner with Eric Holder. Wednesday, it was pouring. He was at a book signing with Hillary Clinton. It was pouring. What a bad hair day she had. I felt so bad for her. I saw the pictures in the paper. I was like, come on, girl, get somebody to fix your hair. Okay, and then... And then Thursday, Thursday, we went to Nantucket. But I realized how, while I respect the office of the presidency, how really unamazed I was that I was on the same island with the president. I mean, we went on a bus tour, and the guy goes, well, we know he's in one of the driveways along here. We're, driving. We're not sure exactly which one it was. I was like, maybe the one with the armed guards. I mean, just the thought, <laughs> you know, just the thought that might be it. But I think that if I was near an apostle, how I would just do anything to get near such a man. But yet he's an apostle. And notice his humility. Notice the apostle Paul's self-forgetfulness. He says, I'm gonna send you that which I need the most. I'm gonna send you Timothy. I'm gonna send my right-hand man. I'm gonna send the one I'm depending on, the one I need to exist here in prison. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. He trusts in God. And that's what he's teaching for Timothy and he's teaching it through modeling it. It's teaching through example. That's how and why the Apostle Paul can make the crazy statement, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Do you know, friends, do you know that's what the Lord wants for us? Do you know that's what the Lord wants for you? He wants you to be an imitator of Christ and he wants others to imitate you as you imitate Christ. And you know, that's actually possible. Not to the degree of Jesus. Jesus, in, in some ways, Jesus is not the best example because he doesn't have the sin nature. But it is possible if, big if, if the teaching of the word of God soaks into your soul and transform your daily living. But here's the thing. It requires effort. Did you ever notice that anything in life you want to be good at requires effort? You hear about basketball players and golfers and tennis players and musicians and actors, how much time they spend at their craft practicing and practicing and practicing. Why in the world do we think we can advance in our Christian life if we don't practice, if we don't work it out? 
right? God is at work at us. And so what do we do? We work it out. And so it is going to take effort. And as you change, you begin to get God's heart for people. And you can know how much you love God by how much you love his people. You can know that you love God by how much you serve his people. And as you get involved in what I call down and dirty gospel ministry, God's heart begins to overtake you. Some people I talk to me, they're like, I meet them like, oh, you're in the professional Christian ministry. I go, I am not. That's gross, man. Gospel ministry is hard. It's difficult. It's heartbreaking. But it is indeed who God makes his people. How often I hear people say, well, I just need to stop serving the Lord because I'm busy. I just need to stop serving the Lord till I get my life in order. A hint, you'll never have your life in order. Right? If you're the person that has your life in order, I'd love to meet you after the service and follow you around for 30 minutes. Right? That's all I need. Because none of us, have, we have it some degree of order, but everything will never be right. But it's not the way the word of God is. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 25, Forever, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so here this week and next week, the Apostle Paul shows us two men who grasped Jesus' words, or better yet, they were grasped by Jesus' words, and they were good role models. And so this morning, three simple things we want to note about Timothy. Number one, Timothy was like-minded. Timothy was like-minded. Like the Apostle Paul was gaining the mind of Christ, so was Timothy as he immersed himself in the things of God. Verse 20, he says, for I have no one like-minded. It literally means I have no one that is like-souled. Not S-O-L-D, S-O-U-L-E-D, of, of a like soul. I have, I have no one of an equal soul. Some of your versions say, I have no one else like him. Well, what made him so unique? He says here, who will sincerely care for your state. And the idea is someone who is generally concerned for your welfare. Interesting, in that wording, it really means that the word concerned or sincerely care actually means that Timothy is burdened or anxious for you. There's something about this man that when he thinks about other people, he begins to bear a burden for others. And like the Apostle Paul, Timothy shared his desire to see the gospel spread, and at the same time, He sincerely cared for the people of God because God was making a shepherd. God was making in this man, Timothy, a man after his own heart. I walked out of our hotel the day we were leaving and there was a car with a young man's picture on it who had died over in the Middle East and a woman walked out and I said to her, did you lose your son in the war? And she just fell into my arms and she just cried and cried 
Do you know she got in her car? You think, well, she's probably good to get rid of me. She got in her car and she came back. And she said to can I ask you a question? She said, do you think it's okay that I have his picture on my back windshield? And I said to her, listen, your son has made the greatest of all sacrifices for people like me. I have no problem with it. I think you should keep that on there and keep it on there proudly. And then in his wonderful grace, God gave me the opportunity to tell her the story of someone else who lost a son so others could live. One of my kids said to me, Dad, you make people feel uncomfortable when you talk to them about stuff like that. I would rather they know we care. I would rather that people know that God cares. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today, and we hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn more about Jesus verse by verse in the book of Philippians. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write that information down. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also give securely to help Changed by Love Radio share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Philippians. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.